to live righteously. It's time for another episode of the Cultural Hall. It's articles of news for the week of the, uh, what? what's today, the 18th of September? That'll do me. Uh, on the phone with me, we haven't really ever done this before, uh, but as we continue to gain sponsorship and those of you who go to patreon.com slash the cultural hall and donate money, uh, your money will go to make it not sound as terrible as what you're about to hear is my old f- college friend, Russ Wild. Hello, sir. What's going on, Richard? Uh, good to have you here in the Cultural Hall. Now, uh, if you follow the Cultural Hall on Twitter, at the Cultural Hall, you have uh, interacted before, perhaps, uh, with Russ's wife. Her name, technically, Charmaine, but I know her as Chow, so we will heretofore call her Chow. Uh, she has tweeted with us and for us uh, several different general conferences, as we do uh, also, that serves as a reminder to let you know that coming up with this upcoming general conference, we will be live tweeting all of the sessions. So please, if you are a Twitter person, at the Cultural Hall to follow along. So now we get to learn about you, Russ. Tell us about you. Um, I've also live tweeted general conference in the past. For the Cultural Hall? Something. Yeah, for the Cultural Hall. I've, I've jumped on there a few times. Not not that I knew of. <laughs> Should have known. that you haven't been reading the tweets. A little, a little tag team. Do huh? you do you follow the cultural hall? On Twitter? I, I follow the cultural hall on Twitter. I guess that had slipped my mind. So yeah, no. I uh, what, what would, would you what, what would you like me to tell people about myself? Well, Russ and oh, I know oh. each other from college. I used to uh, my whatever year I lived in the uh, in your house down in college. So that's sort of how we know each other. Right. I guess we know. We also, we did radio together. We uh, were probably acquainted our freshman year. And and until we started into this, I just realized that there are two other ways that we know each other as well. You... We're cousins because everyone in the church is related. <laughs> no, no. Uh, back back if you in go the back d- far enough. Yeah, back in the day, back in the day, there was a uh, like a high school news program that Channel Two did. And uh, you were oh, a part right. of it, and I was a part of it for like a hot minute, and then I was like, "I'm not doing this anymore." Yeah, no, I know. I was a, a producer of of two news spin, is what it was called back then. And it was student Forever produced. Ago. Student produced. What did the spin stand for? Information network. Information. Uh, and you're, you're which I think if, if they were to do that again today, I think it would be more successful because, I mean, we were getting VHS tapes from you know high schools all over the state and trying to cobbled together a TV show out of them, which was ridiculous, but now everybody's shooting 4K on their iPhone, and you could probably make a little student newscast that looked pretty decent. Interesting. That may, that may be something to explore with the, the news folks here in Utah, or maybe the news yeah, folks in Texas. I mean, you're you're a, right. you're essentially a news guy there in Texas. Talk about that for a minute. Right. No, I, uh, I did a stint in uh, news in southern Utah right after college, and then uh, short order came to Texas, and was on the TV in Austin for about a decade. And uh, now I stay home with my kids. Which is sort of an interesting so, thing because he's not being sarcastic. He is stay-at-home father to four kids? Yeah, six, four, two, and zero. <laughs> you know. Not in utero zero, but not very old. No, he's six months technically, but um, it's zero. Because I, I'm not one of those people that likes to use months. <laughs> it's just my I mean, baby, how old? Zero. I mean, the, the oldest is what? 67, I'm just kidding. Yeah. 48 months. I saw something on a car seat or something or a game that was like, good for kids up to 48 months. I was like, 48 months? How old is that? Yeah, you have to start doing division in your head and you're just like, ah, oh, come yeah. on. What? 
Well, it's, it's, four, 12, it's four years. Except for a leap year, there's another month, right? And then we, how does that, we have to bring it around. Yeah, so, yeah, I, uh, the kid's zero until he turns one. Uh, I want to talk. But technically, this is his pure first year of life, so explain that one. I want to talk briefly about being the stay-at-home dad, but I think a far more interesting thing is how you guys did uh, your wife going to law school and you doing TV news. Talk about that for a sec. Well, after uh, living, well, I think it's interesting to start when we got married. When we got married, I was technically unemployed, and we got married in Canada because both of our, uh, my mom's from Canada, her dad's from Canada. And so once we got back to the United States, I checked my phone to see if I had any messages. And one of the messages was about a job in Texas. And so I called them back, and then we ended up rerouting our honeymoon and moved to Texas basically a month later. <laughs> we weren't planning to when we got married. It just happened, and here we here we moved. So then a year or so later, she'd finished up school and was ready to go to law school. And she ended up going to uh, – well, she got accepted to BYU and – Baylor, and we decided to go with the Baptists instead of the Mormons. Ah. But, uh, I mean, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, please, thank you. But the, uh, you know, Waco is roughly two hours, two and a half hours from where we live, and I needed to stay where I was for work, and so she, you know, they they get old so fast, and she went off to college, and (laughs) I stayed home, and we, we would... Um, at the time, my schedule was, I think I worked Tuesday through Saturday, and so she'd come back on Friday and then be around, and then I would go up home back to Waco with her on Sunday night and then stay up there until you know, until I had to leave on Monday night to come back so I could be ready for work on Tuesday. So we did that for three years through law school, and child number one was born in her last year of law school. You know, like you do. Which which complicated it just a tiny bit more. <laughs> that sounds so awful. I mean, you guys made it through, and there could be no more amazing couple, but that honestly just sounds terrible, every bit of it. I mean, there was, there was one night where I was staying in the apartment in Waco, and her mother was there, and it was a tiny rat hole of an apartment in, you know, just off campus in, in Waco there. And the baby's crying, and I'm trying to walk back and forth to get it to go back to sleep and the mother-in-law's in the living room so i couldn't really go anywhere finally i just swallowed the baby super tight mm-hmm. and she went to sleep <laughs> and then like six hours later i woke up scared to death that i killed my child by over swaddling like woke up holy cow and but you know she was just fine happily sleeping and from that day on i was the i was responsible for swaddling the children and they sleep great when they're tied up extra tight uh you uh, living in uh, what part of Texas now? Uh, the city is San Marcos. It's basically halfway between Austin and San Antonio. Uh, famous for? A, a river, um, Texas State University. Uh, there used to be an amusement park here called Aquarina Springs with a swimming pig. Um, Wait, with a swimming pig? A swimming pig, yes. Okay. <laughs> the, uh, the, the San Marcos River bubbles up out of the ground in a lake here in town. And they used to have underwater shows and mermaids and a swimming pig. You would go down in this submerged theater, or it's a theater that you'd sit in, and then it would go underwater. They called it the submarine theater. Uh-huh. It'd lower down into the lake, and then they'd do shows with you know mermaids swimming around and doing tricks and things. And the swimming pig would swim by, that kind of thing. I never actually got to experience it when I was originally moving here, you know, in the early in 2007 when I moved here. 
I told someone, oh, this is where I was coming. They said, oh, you got to go see the swimming pig. And so when I first got here, I was like, where's the pig? Where's the pig? And they had shut down years before. Why does it not exist anymore? Not profitable? Uh, the, no, the university purchased the amusement park or the, uh, what I guess that's what you'd call it, a, a, an amusement park. And it's, you know, it's obviously, it's a spring that falls up out of the ground. It's very uh, uh, environmentally sensitive. Ah. And so they've, they've turned that area more into some of an area that reflects the sensitive nature of the springs and the river and focuses more on conservation and restoring it to its natural state rather than having um, people drink Cokes underwater. <laughs> but what happened to the swimming pig? Well, they had several over the years. I'm sure all of them became bacon. Mm, mm, delicious. Uh, now I don't you, know. I don't know. Maybe he used his muscles too much, so it wasn't as fatty as it should have been. Maybe it wasn't. Yeah, it couldn't have been pig. too fat, or it would have floated. It would have been the floating yeah. pig. The, well, that was actually something about the pigs. Is once they got to a certain age, they they couldn't go underwater because they were, they were too float, so they'd replace them pretty fast. Hmm. I would have never thought that this episode would have uh, delved into the swimming pigs. Swimming pigs. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's the kind of stuff you get from the cultural hall. Let me ask you this. Being a stay-at-home there dad. There are five people listening to this right now that have been there and know it and are, like, freaking out right now. Holy cow, it's Ralph. I remember when my parents dragged me there. I hated them for taking me there. But then as soon as I saw that swimming pig. Uh, talk about being a stay-at-home dad. What's that like? Um, I don't know. What is it like? Like being a stay-at-home mom only I'm a dad? I don't know. I, it, it's, it's busier than I thought. I think my situation is a little weird because I mean, two of the kids go to school at this point. One's in pre-K, one's in all-day pre-K, and one's in kindergarten or first grade. So I, you know, take those kids to school. So I'm home with the two-year-old and the zero-year-old, mm-hmm. and a lot of my day still revolves around the the baby's feeding schedule. And so, you know, I'm going back and forth to take the baby to mom, and then I'm picking up kids from school and taking them to dad. Um, I'm trying to you know, work on other projects in the middle. Um, it's just, just, you just live it. You just do it. I don't, I don't know what, it's fun, I guess. What about stigma as far as the church goes? Do, do, have you ever been snubbed for being the uh, stay-at-home dad? I don't, I don't, I not that I've noticed. I mean, maybe somebody's tried to, and I it just went over my head. In our, in our ward, I was going to say congregation because it's a habit here. <laughs> in, in our ward, um, it, it's not uncommon. Like there's with the university, there's a lot of times there's, you know, couples come here for uh, the wife's in grad school here. And so the dad stays home with the kids or, you know, I'm, I'm one of, I think four stay at home dads in my ward right now. So it's, it's not uncommon. And I don't know that people really, it's a, I don't think people here at least blink an eye at it anymore. It's just like, Oh, that's what that has. Do you guys have stay on. stay at home dad play group? Um, we have in the past, I've done stuff with some of the dads. Some of the sometimes it's more complicated with the baby. Once they get a little bit older, I don't have to worry about feeding. It becomes easier to do other things. But yeah, no, it's, we meet up with the dads. We wave at each other in the carpool pickup line, <laughs> pickup line at school. Do you wear yoga pants? Um, no, no, no yoga pants for me. I, I wear cargo pants because I'm a dude. Yeah. So <laughs> that's the cargo pants are the uh, yoga pants of dudes. Yeah. Yep, I agree. So, so yeah, I, my, my cargo shorts are uh, always on. <laughs> is and, there any- I, and I use all those pockets. Is there anything else we should know about before we take a break and do actual articles of news? Stuff to get to know you about? Um, I don't think so. I think, we're good. I think everybody feels at home with me now and is really comfortable. 
and would like to invite me over for dinner and uh, Dr. Pepper. You're a huge Dr. Pepper fan, a huge barbecue fan. Uh, what's your calling and your ward down there in Texas now? I'm, I'm currently the ward clerk, the financial clerk, not the, the ward clerk, the assistant clerk, I guess, but I do finances. But you've served in a... Which, is, which I've done before in my life. I did that in a, in a college ward in St. George or a single ward in St. George. I was in college at the time. And i got to say that it's so much better now, at least in our ward with everybody paying tithing online. Like it's radically different than it, it was even three years ago. Hmm. It's great. So you're you're a big proponent so, of paying it online. Oh, absolutely. If you if you don't pay tithing online, you need to look into doing that. It's awesome. It saves everybody time and effort. There's there's been a couple of times that we have had no donations on a Sunday, mm-hmm. and there was there was one day, and I hope this isn't like revealing. I'll I'll, I'll speak in general terms. Okay. Um, there was one one Sunday where we had only change in, in donations. There was two. So you mean like coins? Donated. Yeah, coins. Okay. Yeah. I had like not not even fifty cents. We had less than fifty cents in donations. So, but you you have to process it the same way. So you you do all the things and you put it in this ridiculous bank envelopes and seal it all up and take it to the bank. And I always like to think that the people at the bank are getting all the deposits from all the churches in town. And on Monday they like have a pool about which church did the best. And they're like, whoa. What happened to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on Sunday? Yeah, oh, they just got change. <laughs> that that preacher must have been really bad. Less than fifty but, cents, but you still have to do all of the procedure. Yeah, oh, for sure. And there's no there's no doubt that the 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 materials used cost more than the donations received that day. But it, which is great because it, it's all happening online, and I don't need to know what you pay in tithing. Nobody in your ward needs to know. Your bishop, I don't think, even sees it. I, mean, I guess he could probably dig in and see what you're donating online, but I don't even think that's the case. Yeah. I mean, it'd be, it'd be, it'd be pretty true. So, I mean, like, it's basically like you can do whatever you want. Like, just do it online. Yeah. No one needs to know. And, and so easy. And, it doesn't, and I don't have to stay after church for four hours to count the money. <laughs> it sure beats the when I was in St. George, in the, again, in the, the singles ward when they're or people that worked waiting tables and they bring in a stack of one. Yep. Like, I'm like, why can't you get cash does, you know, in for a 20 or 20s? Why do I have to count all these ones out? It's, it's a it, giant thing. It's, it's a widow's might, Russ. It's a widow's might. No, it's, no, I appreciate it. I had to take the extra initiative to swing my 7 11 and get a 20 instead of giving the poor bishopric member. <laughs> 21s to haul around in his pocket all day. Uh, or better yet, best pay online now. And you could do that. That's just through your LDS.org uh, account, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, just jump on there, and it, it, it looks like a tithing foot that comes up on your screen. You just fill it out, send it in. I always get confused because I'm like, I go into my uh, LDS tools, and I think I can get it there, and I don't, I can't. You have to go through yeah. the website to do it. Yeah, I, I, that was, when the church listens to this and they think, "Oh, that's a great update idea. We should totally make tithing payable through the LDS Tools app." Mm-hmm. So, note to the uh, IT guys in the church: do that. I'll pass that. That'd along. be awesome. I'll pass that along. Uh, let's take a break we and come back do. and do actual articles. Of- 
Imagine running a small business today. It's challenging. Imaging and Internet presence is an absolute must. Even with that, you're still a small star in a bright cyber universe. Now, imagine you have someone who understands how to get your site designed for your talents and then easily searched by potential clients. Imagine Lennon Design. Whether it's strictly a website or a whole package of logo creation, advertising media, and promotional materials, Lennon Design is your partner in business. They'll test the boundaries of their imagination to create something unique for you. When you need creative, affordable design, let it be Lennon Design. Call 801-699-3022 or visit LennonDesign.com. Hey, this is Dan, the laptop man from PC Laptops. Are you experiencing panic attacks, nausea, or diarrhea? Is your computer not turning on? Is it running super slow? Is your internet crawling? Or is it just randomly crashing? You could be suffering from ICS, Irritable Computer Syndrome. I want you to ask yourself, when was the last time you had your PC cleaned? Over time, Windows, updates, spyware, malware, and dangerous viruses will make your computer run like crap. You need to bring in your laptop or desktop PC, no matter what brand it is, and let me run a 100% free virus scan, malware, and spyware scan on your computer. Don't wait and risk losing everything. Now, why are we doing this for free? Because we want to impress you so much that if you or any of your friends or family need a computer, service, or phone repair, you come to PC Laptops first. Get into any one of our locations right now or check us out at PCLaptops.com. PC Laptops, where computers start at $7.99. PC Laptops, we love you. Hey, you guys, I want to talk to you about BestDJInUtah.com. Why, that's the company that I have started for doing my DJing weddings and live events. Uh, whatever you need, I am your guy to do it. So whether you're a lifer or a convert to this podcast show or you just happen to be listening for the first time, if you are in need of a wedding DJ or an MC for your event or just a DJ for your business opening, uh, go to bestdjinutah.com. Now, I know it says Utah, but guess what? If you want me to come to your event and you're not in Utah, I'll do that too. You're going to have to pay for me to be there, but I'm more than willing to do that as well. It's bestdjinutah.com. Emails there, phone numbers there. Would love to hear from you and then help you make your event that much better. Look forward to hearing from you, and thank you for supporting the Cultural Hall podcast. But it's a show. You knew that. The Cultural Hall wants you to help Utah Food Bank fight hunger statewide. Through your donations of food, time, or money, Utah Food Bank is able to distribute over 31 million meals annually to Utahns facing hunger. Even a $1 donation can be turned into $7.35 of goods and services. One in five children in Utah could go to bed hungry tonight, and 423,000 Utahns are unsure where their next meal will come from. By donating food at your local pantry or by visiting utahfoodbank.org, you can make a difference. It's time for the second half of Articles of News, wherein we do actual Articles of News. Hit it, Peter. You can't lose Articles of News. All right, so here we go. Have you ever been to uh, the uh, Old Town out in San Diego? I have, actually. Uh, there's a great the, uh, the Mormon Battalion Trail and all that. I'm not sure if that's a thing that's going to have to be changed as far as the name goes to become the Latter Day Saint Battalion, or because it's historical, it'll probably remain being Mormon yeah, Battalion. Yeah, I think that people not of the church would be upset if we started changing historic landmarks. <laughs> uh, anyway, you can't do that. There, there's a great article uh, that I've linked with this episode of theculturalhall.com. I won't go too much into it, but only to say if you find yourself in Southern Ute or Southern California, rather, uh, stop by Old Town San Diego. 
There's lots of cool shops there. You could spend, I mean, if, if you're a, a, a history or church history nerd, you could spend a whole day there. There's a visitor center with um, visitor center sisters who will give you the tour around. There's videos you can watch and some senior couples that could tell you about it. Um, but like within Old Town itself, there's like an old timey candy shop. Uh, there's a bunch of stuff. Anyway, so at the culturalhall.com in association with this episode, there is um, a, a woman sort of just doing a travel blog, and she happened upon Old Town San Diego, and her uh, unfamiliarity with the church and the fact that it's a, a Mormon battalion historic site, is it's sort of refreshing. She's like, I had no idea what this was, and is sort of discovering that whole Mormon battalion thing for the first time in blogs about it. A little out of the ordinary for um, what I would share here in articles of news, but I just I just thought it was so uh, kind of out of touch, but coming into touch. I really, really liked it. So you can find that at the cultural hall doc. Yeah, when I returned from my mission in uh, 2001, uh, one of the first things I did was with my mother and her parents, we went on a, a road trip, and they were anxious for me to come home and drive. So I toured my mom and grandparents around on a church history tour, and we, we hit the... Uh, Old Town San Diego and the Mormon Battalion site, and I don't remember anything specific about it. The only thing I remember about that trip, other than being bored in Cove Fort <laughs> at the time, other than that, I remember while we were in San Diego, I said, we, were, we always, it was always a struggle to choose where we were going to dinner, and I suggested, I asked my grandparents, I'm like, how do you feel about hamburgers for dinner? <laughs> and they said, oh, hamburgers sound Sounds delightful. We'll, we'll have hamburgers. Yes, let's let's have hamburgers. So I went to In and Out, uh-huh. and I got there, and they're like, "Oh, this place only has hamburgers." And I was like, "That's what I said. I said yeah. hamburgers." <laughs> and they were like, "Well, we thought they'd have chicken or something else." Uh, <laughs> I couldn't win. Yeah, no. <laughs> did they get a hamburger, or did you have to go somewhere of else? They got a hamburger. There's nothing else to get. Oh, well, I don't know if they pulled uh, grandparent seniority and said, "Forget it. We're going here, pal." We're going to Sizzler. Yeah, this is. Is that a is that a national yeah, chain? Um, it's an international chain. I didn't realize that. But, yeah, I think they have them. I'll have to tell you a funny story all the time about uh, Sizzler in Australia. Okay. 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 I look forward to that. <laughs> what uh, What news stories do you have? Um, obviously, the big thing in the news today, and I'm sure tomorrow and into the coming week, is going to be about. Uh, the hurricane, Hurricane Florence, that's mm-hmm. happening. And the uh, temple in South Carolina is closed. Uh, they said that they're closed at least till Tuesday, and they'll reevaluate next week to see if they'll reopen the temple. The temple in Raleigh, North Carolina, is being renovated, so it was closed anyways. But the church sent out a statement that said the missionaries in the path of the hurricane, you know, they've been taking the necessary precautions, and they're, they're safe, and they've moved them inland, and they have... Uh, all the things that they need to be safe and to have food and water things so they're prepared and when the you know storm comes through they'll be ready to help with the aftermath so i mean hurricanes are always a an interesting natural disaster because you never really know what's going to happen and where they're going to go and what they're going to do and so like it's interesting to see how the church moves and prepares to make sure everybody's safe during that and i'm sure that the church has already sent supplies in that direction to sure, help so, out with the recovery yeah uh, so, ask you this question, because was it Harvey? Hurricane Harvey, that hit Houston? Yep. I mean, that's not terribly Hurricane. far from where you guys are. No, and we, we canceled church for several Sundays to, to go and do help in the recovery over there. Um, it's been about 10 years ago this 
this time of year when Hurricane Ike hit uh, just east of Galveston, and I, I was there because of work in the aftermath of that. But I always think what's interesting when I read these statements from the church about the missionaries are safe after a disaster. Because uh-huh. when I was on my mission, I actually served my mission in Houston. Uh-huh. And while we were there, there was a tropical storm, and it rained like 30 inches in a day and just flooded everything, kind of like a lot like Harvey did. Mm-hmm. But it was just this tropical storm that just stayed there and dumped water. And I also think it's funny because at the time I was a, a zone leader, and so we were checking up on all our missionaries. But there was one companionship that we couldn't get in contact with, and we had no idea. And they were in the area of Houston where people were being helicoptered out of, and like, what the world? And, you know, 24 hours go by, and we still haven't heard from these guys. We've called the members in the area, and they're like, their apartment complex is right in the middle of it, and nobody can get to it. And finally, you know, that Sunday evening, so it's been more than 24 hours after the storm had kind of begun, but I, our mission president said, uh, we had a member in our ward that said he had a vehicle that he thought could get, get into anywhere. He offered to take us, and so I called the mission president and said, we can go down and look. And so we went down to try to find these missionaries, and we rolled into their apartment complex just basically as the water was dropping enough that we could get in. Mm-hmm. And they were just their apartment complex was basically an island for the whole storm, and they were fine. But they didn't obviously we didn't have cell phones, and the phones were all down, and the power was out, and they just been playing cards with their neighbors <laughs> and they were so scared that they were in trouble and i was like no we were just making sure you guys weren't dead yeah. they're like oh you're, yeah we're fine we yeah. just couldn't get out we just i mean we had some we, we had some appointments that we really had intended to get to we just didn't feel like we could go uh and we were sort of worried so we didn't go to bed at the right time i hope that you don't feel like we broke the letter of the law and you're like dude you're alive well, whatever and i was like but i always think of that like i mean it's been 24 hours after the you know the flooding had begun and like like you know, we were checking shelters for these guys, and Jeez. I was like, I wonder if the church had already sent out a message that all the missionaries were okay, because we had no clue where these dudes were. But, but they were fine, and yeah. I'm sure that the missionaries in, in the Carolinas will be fine, And but I'm also sure that at some point in one of these storms, a missionary won't be, and that's just part of the, the way these things work. It's just a, an interesting thing. It is interesting to think uh, about the uh, the PR part of the church and, and all that they have to deal with. And they have to be careful because I think if they say, hey, everybody's fine, and then it turns around and it's, you know, someone wasn't right. okay. I mean, they have to be really careful in that kind of stuff. I would assume so. But I've always, I've always wondered, like, if, like, I mean, there's no way to, I mean, they said they moved the missionaries to a safe place, but who knows if the storm turns and the way these storms work, who knows what kind of problems uh, could could crop up but the other thing i want to talk about about hurricanes really fast just because i feel like i see this in our church a lot is that you know like i even said it that we probably have the church has probably already said supplies and relief to help the people in the carolinas and it's great and we're going to send hundreds of members to help clean up when it's done mm-hmm. but lots of churches do that like i've i've been in so many of these disasters and seen you know the baptist men and the methodists from Montana or whatever, and I just think that lots of churches help out, and, but I've so, always felt like when we talk about it at church, we're like, we're so good, we're the only ones that help, but we're not. And lots of churches, lots of groups help, lots of people help. So you and feel think, like you feel like there's a like some sort of claim of uniqueness, like we're helpful, but well, these other churches don't have yeah, these resources? Or, like or, or so maybe it's more pride, like I'm so, look how great we are, because we, we do the thing that we should do because we're Christian. Does that make sense? Right. 
Like, I feel like there's a, an air of, of pride when really, like, yeah, no kidding, your church is what you're supposed to do. And right. lots of other churches do it, too. And lots of other groups do it, too. And, I mean, we're good at it, and we're able to organize people, but there's also other groups of, like, like I said, like the retired Baptist men who will come and stay for months and rebuild things. Yeah, but, Russ, nobody, nobody, I feel like nobody liked the Mormons. The yellow, nope. The yellow shirts show up and clean up. And nope. Do you think those are going to be Latter-day Saint helping hands now? Um, this might be the first test we get to see in, yeah. in a week. Hmm, that's Probably too, not. Too many syllables, right? Tough acronym. <laughs> yeah, because what it would it be? LDS. Well, no, you can't. You can't acronym it out. You have to Latter Day Saint. <laughs> yeah. I would. I, I propose that it be the Helping Hands of the Restored Church of Jesus Christ. But we're not the Restored Church of Jesus Christ. We're the Restored yes, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. No, that's what, that's one of the in the the thing. That was one of the uh, acceptable alternatives. The Helping Hands of the, the Restored, Restored Church, Church of Jesus Christ. The Restored Church of Jesus Christ is, is an acceptable name. Okay. Helping Hands of the Restored. That, that's what I'm going with from now on. Okay, I'll I'll support you in that. How about that? I'm designing a T-shirt as we speak. <laughs> Make sure it's yellow. It has to be yellow. Uh, you know about one. Those are the cheap shirts. You know about Wanda Barzee, right? I've heard of her. Did you follow anything with Elizabeth Smart when you were doing news here in Utah? Um, it was really before my time. I saw a refreshment when that happened. I'm not sure. I think that was that was, I think that was 99. I'll have to look, but yeah. No, I, I remember the whole thing. I remember when Elizabeth Smart was, was found. And I don't remember the trial, per se, but yeah, no, I wasn't actively doing news, so I feel like it was, it was two, probably the trial played out while I was on my mission. It was 2002, actually, when she was kidnapped. Oh, uh, well, I, so you're wrong. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, but Wanda Barzi, for people who don't know, uh, Brian David Mitchell. Me. Brian David Mitchell, you're welcome. Brian David Mitchell is the one who kidnapped uh, Elizabeth Smart. He's gone to jail. He'll be there the rest of his life. Uh, but the one who sort of was an accomplice in keeping her captive uh, traveled with Elizabeth Smart. Um, you can hear the episode we did with Ed Smart here in the Cultural Hall. If you just go to theculturalhall.com and, and search for Ed Smart, you can hear about that. Uh, we haven't ever had Elizabeth Smart, but if she wants to, she's more than welcome. Anyway, Wanda Barzee is going to be released uh, from prison, and uh, people here in Utah are, are are pretty upset about it. And and foremost, Elizabeth Smart saying, you know, this is this is this is unbelievable. I can't comprehend how someone who has not co- cooperated with her mental health evaluations or risk assessments, and someone who did not show up to her own parole hearing can be released into the community. That's just a part of Elizabeth Smart's statement. And even Wanda Barzee's own sister is like, uh, yeah, no, nope, she shouldn't be a part of of the community. But the way that this has happened is she served time federally and then served time locally, and the parole board here in the state of Utah said, you know what, she served time federally, and that has to count towards her time here locally, and so that means she's getting paroled and out. And here she comes. Yeah, it, it, um, I I hope that Barzi just disappears into the background and we never hear from her again. That would be ideal, I think. Just but she seems. But she disappear. seems. She seems. Yeah, just disappears and we and and it's like, oh, okay. Yep, she was. She came back to the community and never did anything. But she seems like she's still but, a little off. Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, and that's ultimately the problem with our criminal justice system is that they're not in business of really treating that they're in the business of incarcerating people and ideally it's hopefully to reform people but you know the mental health system in our country isn't really stellar 
and the, the, I imagine the treatment that she's had, only if she's not cooperated with it, so that's, you know, like what level do you, when can you force a person to do things? Yeah, but at some at I, some at some point, letting that person out seems like the worst choice. Yeah, I have a feeling that the laws in the state of Utah are going to change <laughs> in January because of this case. But it's one of those things that if you don't like the law, talk to your lawmakers. I mean, they're following the law. I, I, I mean, I, I mean, I don't know. I mean, they're they're counting the federal time. It's the difference between a consecutive and a concurrent criminal or sentence, and they said that it ran concurrently. So, I mean, you know, they. They counted at the same time, so and it's really ultimately it's not that much longer, right? Yeah, no, it would no, the, it wouldn't be if you consider that she served federally. I think two years. So what? It would have been two years from now that then yeah, she would have so gotten out. Yeah, so she was going to get out. And, yeah, so I mean, yeah, it, no one. I don't think if you asked anyone on the street, they would say, "Yeah, we're excited she's getting out." I mean, I think the parole board is following the law. Or they wouldn't be letting her out. If they could keep her longer, if they felt like they could, they would. Mm-hmm. So I, but at the same time, it's like, like we all knew she was getting out. She wasn't sentenced in the way that Mitchell was. Mm-hmm. So this day was coming, and I think there'd still be outrage in two years from now. Whether, like, well, we don't think she should get out ever, but that wasn't the sentence she got. And I, I she probably took a plea deal, if I remember right. Yeah, you can correct me again. If yeah. I'm wrong. yeah. Oh, but, I will. But she did. But that. But I mean. And that's the other part of the criminal justice system. Like you, you know, we opted to make a deal with her, and that's the the other side of the deal is that she gets to get out. I mean, I'm hopeful that she's reformed enough that she just disappears and we never hear from her again, and she, you know, quietly goes into the night, and whatever happens, we don't know about it. But I also have a feeling she'll probably write a book, and we'll hear way more from her than we ever wanted to. What other stories do you have? Um, there was a. I didn't write down the name of the show on KUER mm-hmm. with the uh, members of the uh, the church talking about uh, the the proposition to legalize medical marijuana in Utah. Mm-hmm. And it was really the first time in this in this whole discussion that a church leader has come out and said that um, Mormon doctors who who's, who prescribe medical marijuana to their patients or theoretically Mormon or church members who are prescribed medical marijuana and choose to use it uh, won't be at risk of losing their church membership or their standing within the church. Uh, and it said people who were, I think the thing is that they support efforts to legalize medical marijuana that won't affect their membership in the church. And then the, the church leaders went on to say something along the lines of, uh, recreational use of marijuana, regardless of whether it's legal or not, will, is prohibited by the word of wisdom. And, you know, they compared it to, you know, tobacco and other harmful drugs that we use. So I think it's interesting that, that church leaders, while the taking stance and saying the church formally does not support this effort to legalize medical marijuana, they're saying that if members do, that's not going to affect their church standing. And if doctors prescribe it, it's not going to affect their church standing. But recreationally, you're done, right? Because that's not adhering to the yeah, word. Well, of I don't know. Done's the right word, but <laughs> it, it is black or white, Russ. No, but it, but it, we, but it affects. It essentially they they uh, define it that it affects uh, whether or not you can hold a current temple recommend if you are smoking marijuana right. recreationally. That would be in defiance of the word of wisdom. It were true, and so. Like, you could read the quote that, you know, recreational use is prohibited by the faith, word of wisdom. And um, it, it's funny, the, the news article from the Salt Lake Tribune that I, I, where I saw this, 
I didn't actually listen to the radio program in Utah. I said one leader compared it to cannabis, to tobacco, or addictive hallucinogens. Mm -hmm. I wanted to add, or a grande from Starbucks. (laughs) Grande Frappuccino from Starbucks. Yeah. Yep, they're all in the same category. Yep. Things that affect the word of wisdom. So lump them all. Yeah, marijuana's right up there with coffee. When you uh, when when you when you come to Utah, uh, do you have must go places? Like every time, every time you come back, give me one or two. Um, like they kind of change. I feel like they change. But my my number one go to, and this will sound, I don't know. I've had this whole theory about Mexican food. Mm -hmm. I believe that the Mexican food you grow up eating whatever Mexican restaurant your family went to as a, a child, like that's your definition of Mexican food. Mm-hmm. And then you judge everything you eat the rest of your life based on that. Okay. And for me, that's La Casita in Springville. Okay, Springville, Utah, and which so, is just south of Provo. So La Casita, I'm sure if I were to take a Texan to La Casita in Springville, they would be uh, not, maybe they'd like it, but they, they would probably list off 18 restaurants they like better. Mm-hmm. But for me, that... Their chicken enchiladas with green sauce, because I was about to say Verde, but it's green sauce, are my absolute favorite enchiladas. And I can't, and I haven't found anything like that. I have Mexican food, obviously, here in Texas that I like, that I think is good. But for me, those enchiladas are what I think of when I think of Mexican food. And I'm never close to happy. So that's always one. Um, I like Zupas. They I don't like, have Zupas uh, in Texas? No, no. For we pe- also don't have Cafe Rio, but I'm kind of lukewarm to Cafe Rio. Zupas, for people who don't know, it's a, you can get either a salad or a soup or a sandwich or some combination of all of those things. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a big soup guy, so I, I enjoy the soup there at the Zupas. And yeah, that's one we try to hit. Um, i trying to think of others. That's usually... Those, those two you kind of Yeah, I mean, there's a few other odd things. Sometimes I'll try to, like, we'll do, a, like, there's a pizza place in my hometown that I like the cheese sticks at. So sometimes I'll get an order of cheese sticks there and enchiladas at La Casita and, you know, and some nachos from Beto's or whatever and have a little three-course Springville dinner kind of thing. And then take some, but, some heartburn medication and run on a treadmill for three days to burn off the amount of calories you just ate. Right. Yeah. No, it's interesting you said it, though. My, my mother flew in today to, to visit and see the kids, and uh, she brought with her five loaves of Grandma Sycamore's white <laughs> bread. Yes. And I thought it was overkill because it was overkill, but I really love that bread. Yeah. I, I always uh, bring a couple of loaves home. Whenever I go, you just got to make sure you, you got to make sure you put a couple of loaves in the freezer because it it molds quick too. Oh yeah, no, the, four of those loaves are already in the freezer. Good, good. I'm glad you're breading responsibly. The reason why I ask all that is, uh, I know I know people who they'll come back for like general conference. They'll do kind of their Mormon pilgrimage, and they'll always go to the Lion House because of the Lion House rolls. Right by the Lion House is the Beehive House. So this was the worst segue I could have brought to bring up this story. But I did it, and now we're here. You did this to get you the Beehive House? Yes. Okay. The Church History Museum is seeking individuals interested in serving as volunteer tour guides at the historic Beehive House in downtown Salt Lake. Uh, the Beehive House is beautifully restored. It uh, is a popular tourist destination. It was originally built for President Brigham Young and was completed back in 1855. The home's tours focus on the history of the Beehive House and its residents and architecture. The tours are scripted. Uh, interested individuals must be able to work a minimum of 12 hours per week 
on a rotating Monday through Saturday schedule. And if you uh, want to find out more information, you can obviously find this at theculturalhall.com in association with this episode, or you can email churchmuseum at ldschurch.org or call them 801-240-8050 and say, hey, you know what? I heard about it on the Culture Hall, and I would love to be a Beehive House tour guide. And then you can walk next door and get the Lion House role. I, I, I have a Lion House cookbook mm-hmm. here at the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I honestly don't think I've ever been there for food. You should. Do you ever cook anything yeah. out of the Lion House cookbook, or is, was it a wedding gift yeah, that you guys I, I have never like used? I feel like I made the roll recipe. I, I, yeah, none of, it, none of it moves the needle for me, perhaps because I've never had it cooked the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. I feel like I even took my engagement pictures or the wedding announcement pictures off of the Lion House. Okay, so here's the but deal. Next time, you never, come, next time you come back, we're Lion House roll date. Yeah, we're going to go get some rolls. Perfect. What are you doing with that'll, the rest? That'll, that'll be almost as good as our, our Leatherbees visit this last time for a hot fudge. Yes, where where I was just in simply enjoying my meal and then uh, 12 or 13 kids and you and your wife came in and I just was like, this is not something I'm used to. I'm, yeah. I'm going to go ahead and leave. <laughs> and you guys were just cool and chill and I was like... I this is we are two worlds colliding right now. Yeah, it, uh, you know things change. <laughs> Seasons, you know. Yeah. Yes, I do know. Uh, what other stories do you have? I don't know how much I want to talk about it, but there's uh, KUTV had a story about uh, the Mormon leaks, mm-hmm. and they had they obtained a, a document from 2012, so six years ago, mm-hmm. of uh, that purports to be from the churches legal team talking about, you know, issues that they were having around the world. You know, some of it were, one of them was a case with a stake president that was accused of sexually touching a young girl at the school he teaches in. And basically, you know, list the, the, what the, what's happening and then kind of what their investigation, the law firm's investigation into it found mm-hmm. and what they suggest to do. In the case of that state president, it's the state president denies any appropriate contact, and he's mystified by the allegation. We'll stay close to the church. Said, well, the lawyer said, we will stay close to this one. We'll keep watching it. Mm-hmm. So that happened out of the United States. And so it just it details that. And, I mean, the Mormon leaks guy says in the quote that uh, KUTV uses, it seems to show that the church's main concern is its image, and the after effects of and the after effects of its abuse, as opposed to the focus being on the victim. And I kind of agree with that statement. That yes, that's what this document shows, but I don't think that's necessarily true. Okay. I think I think I think that'd be like looking at the an investigative report on what caused the fire, and like you know the investigation says, well, we found these signs and these these are the issues that we see. But it doesn't address what happened to the people in the building because mm-hmm. you know that's another department that handles that. Right. It's one. Like, I, 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 obviously, I don't think the attorneys investigating these incidences were, you know, it's not their job to find out like how they're do, doing things. I'm. I mean, there's only one 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 example on here that it talks about um, uh, missionaries allegedly abusing uh, or touching uh, young children. And it says that the local leaders are, are working with the, the families of the victims. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, it, it says that, that, it says that. For me, the most interesting thing in the leaked document, well, there's a couple of things. Like, one of the, like, I think of all the stupid things that 
I saw missionaries do. And like there's one that, that talks about a missionary that got in a fight. Uh, he was a, a missionary was arrested and released for misdemeanor battery after he had a physical confrontation with a man. And, uh, you know, his sentence was 50 hours of community service, and that was that. And I was like, think of all the stupid things that the church has to worry about that you know, these missionaries do that, you know, they involve lawyers in different states and things. Right. The other thing that I, I thought of was the, um, again, like I feel like even like in the state president's case, there's an allegation, and obviously the church is aware of it and paying attention to it, and, you know, even an allegation like, they have to be aware and take the steps they need to, to do to what are we going to do in this situation? What are we going to, how are we going to handle this? The state president's denying the, a student that he abused a student at his thing. So we're uh, not going to take part in that. I, I just, I think it's going to come to a point where like they just are going to have to report everything to the police. Right. And I know that you, well, uh, you well I don't, I mean, I, I feel like the, the story that channel two writes and, I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it says, like, you know, the, their article says it's not clear how the church handles allegations today. Uh-huh. Um, but there was a part. I'm trying to find it. It basically says that there's no mention in this document about the church, how the, the, the church content—oh, it says, nowhere does the document indicate any case was referred to police for investigation. And, like, I mean, that's not true, because there's the one incident where— the guy was convicted of battery and arrested. So some of them were allegations. Yeah, I mean, I think the church has to ha- handle everything. There was an, there's another interesting um, case that uh, an elder confessed that he'd been sexting with a girl before his mission, mm-hmm. and there was some some hesitation to send him back home because the girl was 15, and if you know he goes back and confesses that to his state president, then his state president has to report him because a 15-year-old is a child. Right. And he's an adult. And, yeah, obviously that should, should take the case. And then, like, there was another incident on his mission where he was kissing another 15-year-old, which tells me that he needs to have a red flag put next to his name. Right. And But, yeah, it's just... An, and, and, be investi- yeah, they, and be investigated and possibly uh, punished. Or what he's doing right? right that's the that's the thing that's so difficult to me and that i hope that there is an accompanying document that just wasn't leaked or wasn't obtained where it's like yeah this was reported and what happened was we have got the police in they're investigating it and he's going home and you know he's going to get help and the church is going to help pay for that and and the person who was victimized will also get some help from the church like that's the that's the part for me that i just really would like to see and i don't know if those who leak these kind of things would ever leak something like that because they i i feel like in a lot of ways they just try and damage the reputation of the church but i would really like to see that or at the very least know that that's what's going on this was reported Bishop has to go and talk to someone. Sure, it may ruin someone's life, but guess what? It ruined the victim's life as well. Right. And I mean, I mean, I feel like the, the Mormon leaks guy made the case that, you know, the church shouldn't be deciding whether or not this happened. And I don't feel like they are in these cases. They're, you know, leaving it up to local law enforcement. Like one is an elder was accused of abusing an eight-year-old. The guy got sent home mm-hmm. and leaders are working with the victim's family. Now, I don't know what that means. Like, it was in a foreign country, so I don't know what the reporting requirements are there. But, like, obviously, they're, like, 
something needs to happen. But I, I, I can, it's a complicated thing when you're, you know, how do you, what do you do if the family doesn't, or if it's, it's an accusation and yeah, you send the missionary home, but then do you send the missionary home if he's charged in a foreign country? And it's basically, or do you leave him there to face charges? I Yeah, you leave him there to face charges because he broke the law. But what's the time? I agree with you that yes, you you would want him to face take responsibility, face responsibility for his actions. But in a country that perhaps for whatever reason culturally people don't want to report things, don't want to involve the police in something like that. Hmm. Like, I mean, it's easy to uh, impose our our Americanized legal system ideals mm-hmm. on countries where that's not. Norm, the norm. Right now, you wouldn't say that um, inappropriately touching and kissing a fifteen-year-old is a capital offense. No, but I mean, there's. But some, what what but, if he was serving a mission in a country where it was? Oh, that's interesting. So you're saying just based. So what is it? Luck of the draw. I, I mean, by where he's serving. No, well, I mean, like if the crime happened there. Right. 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 It's like, yeah. Like, do you do you use your? Does the church use it? You know, there's not maybe mandatory reporting laws in whatever stand country we're going to make up for this scenario. Okay. I just think it's it's there's not a it's, there's not a black and white, right? I I because I, mean, I, I, I wouldn't want and let's take it out of sexual sins even like other crimes like you, we all remember that time where that guy got arrested for vandalism and got caned in the streets of whatever country that was Singapore I think yeah like does the church have any any responsibility to protect a missionary from a punishment that we here in Western countries feel is way over the top. Yeah, excessive. Interesting. Yeah, I... like if, if the punishment for touching a girl inappropriately was you cut off your hand, would we send that missionary to get his hand cut off? Interesting. I mean, we should send, we send him home and get him excommunicated and everything else to get him the help he needs to repent. But Right, right. I don't know how you juggle all the, the different balls in the air there. I, I mean, I, I didn't feel like the document showed that the church was trying to hide anything. I didn't feel like it was trying to cover anything up. I didn't feel like it was trying to skirt the legal system in any, any, any way. I mean, like I just, I guess, with the exception of that one, was it was sexting the girl, or they didn't want to send him home because the mistake president would have to report him. Mm-hmm. But I feel like even that crime is one that local prosecutors are going to be less and less inclined to worry about. I I just think. That we need to leave, and whatever it means, and it can be individual, I think we need to leave no doubt that we feel like these individuals should face some sort of penalty if they break the law, if they're inappropriate, if people are victimized, if any of these things, I feel like we can't be like, oh, but this will ruin his options to go to college at a place or, right. oh, yeah, or whatever or yet, whatever but... sort of protection. Like, it's just like, no, pal, you shouldn't have done the thing that was against the law and, and here is a penalty for it. And I don't believe in excessive, but I certainly don't believe in minimizing. Right. And I mean, I think, I think the first instance on the report is, is the most enlightening one. And that one, it's a state president who probably works as a school teacher or principal mm-hmm. that is accused of something. Right. Like principals and teachers get accused of things all the time. He denies it. Right. And so like, at what point do you, obviously you let it go through the legal system. Right. But at what point do you take someone that's in a church position that's been accused and like when they, they adamantly deny that that happened, Right, the investigation like you, ensues. He's found not guilty, but there's still the accusation. Do you remove him from that? No, no, but yeah, but like while the investigation's happening, or like they, you know, they 
investigated it, and they they may or may not do. They bring charges, like, but he still denies it, and he's going to court. At what point do you release said state president? I think you do it at the at the at the immediacy of an accusation. Really? Yep, I do. An accusation. Only because I don't think that people will just willy-nilly accusations, and I don't think it's fair necessarily, and and certainly in some areas, no. people will be like, ah, oh, but leadership, and we don't have that much, but I think you just have to be like, you know what, he's going through a lot, and that is sort of the mercy, I think, of it, especially, right, right. especially, oh, yeah. no, okay. I can see it. especially, especially if he's not, you know, if he's not guilty, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, he's going to focus on the process of this whole thing. He'll f- be found not guilty. He continues to deny it, and there's no proof, and it's not guilty, and and could, in fact, be just not true. At that point, he then can be reinstated as a stake president, or it can just be a, a different calling in a different phase of life for him. Right. But I just, sure. I just think uh, that looking at it and saying, hey, this is a guy who's accused. Yeah, he continues to serve because we don't know. He might not be guilty, like he's saying. I just think, I think is a, is is leeway or leverage that the church no longer, especially with all of these different things coming about. I don't think that we can. I don't think that we can wait. I think we have to take immediate action and then go. Okay, now he's been found innocent. Let's 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 let him back in if that should occur. Did we beat that one to death I, enough? I think so. I mean, I mean, I don't I don't see a smoking gun here that shows any real nefarious efforts by the church. Again, I, it's because I don't feel like this is the place where the lawyers on that side of the investigation aren't. It's not their concern about what's happening in the... the I mean, there's somebody that's handling the other side of things, the people involved, the victims involved, I would hope. Yeah. Like, I don't... I feel like you're, you're saying one piece of a puzzle, not the... Well, it seems cold and heartless in some ways that there's no thought of the victims in this report about what these people have done. I feel like there was and is. It's just not obviously in that document. What else do you have news story wise? Because we're about out of time. What do you got? Um, I think that was about all I saw. Okay. I mean, just the, the weeds, the hurricane, the all right. you have anything else? I'll lead us through just a couple other things. How is it that Sean Bradley is so tall? <laughs> That's this article from KSL. Oh. You can find it at theculturalhall.com linked with this. You know how it is? Genetics. Yeah. I didn't, yep. I didn't go down the rabbit hole, but yeah. I, it's a it's a jackpot of that. common mutations. He's uh, played for BYU. He's seven foot six. He's in the ninety nine point nine 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 ninth percentile as far as height. Uh, people are studying him not necessarily for height, but uh, as far as Alzheimer's goes. Apparently, folks that are really tall are more likely to experience Alzheimer's and Alzheimer's and especially at an early point uh it then the article then goes on to talk about the disappointing career that he had in the NBA and uh with the uh, the Dallas Mavericks and the New Jersey Nets we don't talk about them <laughs> <laughs> and then this no dude I think it would be interesting it'd be an interesting selling point to take the what the, these BYU scientists have learned and see if uh, one of those mail off your DNA kits could come up with a way to what are the odds that you could have a mutant seven-foot grandchild? <laughs> well, if you find someone from the island of, yeah. <laughs> like, is an NBA player in your retirement fund? Let's uh, see. Last story. This is just sort of a uh, kind of a sweet story. Again, find it at theculturalhall.com. Couple celebrates their 50th anniversary. 
They sold their home, they bought an RV, and they've spent the last year traveling the United States, and they have seen 80 temples, gone to 49 states, and have done 2,787 temple ordinances. Wow. Yep. Uh, Their quote, eternal marriage was one of the biggest draw points to us in the gospel. No one talked about eternal marriage, but the Church of Jesus Christ, we decided that for one year, we would work full-time in the service of doing the work for our kindred dead. They were married back in 1967. Uh, Darwin, that's the husband, uh, Reese, that's the uh, wife, uh, he went off to the Vietnam War, uh, and they decided that traditions were things that they could create themselves, so they decided to... uh, to start going to the temple, and then on May 10th, 2017, they were out and about to finish and go to all these temples. They celebrated 50 years of marriage. On August 7, 2018, they celebrated their 51st, and uh, in September, they plan to go to Hawaii to finish up their trip with the two temples that are in Hawaii, that being in Kona and Laie, and saying, hey, you know what? We did it for a year and committed to it, so happy to them. It's the cutest old people temple pictures ever. That's interesting because I've always thought that taking an RV across country would be a great way to spend retirement. Mm-hmm. But I've also had a hard time making it jive with like the way the church has us serve. Mm-hmm. We're like in wards, and like it just hasn't really. I haven't been able to make that work. How that really works to be like. Yeah, at this time, when instead of serving in ward callings, I'm just going to vagabond across the country. And well, now you now you have a plan. In. Now there's a way. They figured it out. You just do temple work. <laughs> kind of like a mission, right? Yeah, tell Chow to start saving her pennies because you guys are getting an RV. Yeah, we'll just take the van on the trip. <laughs> uh, thanks, Russ, for joining me for this Articles of News. I hope that it nourished and strengthened you. I hope that if people weren't able to listen this week that they'll be able to listen next week. And if they're sick, that they'll be able to uh, catch us next time. Yeah. In the meantime, we'll be saving a seat for them on the back row of the cultural hall. Save me a seat, it's sure to be neat. On the back row, we really gotta go on the cultural hall show.